0: Welcome to Positive Productivity, episode 156. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I am so happy you are here, and today I am. Thrilled to introduce our guest, Don Gluskin. Don is the chief truth digger, storyteller, and word wizard from Bliss Communications. Don, welcome.
1: Hey, Kim. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to
0: have you here. Don, could you share a little bit about your backstory and how you got into the role that you are in today?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So we'll just jump right in. So, um, so right now I I run a business called bliss communications and I do what I would call my like life work. It's really on purpose. I get to be creative and I get to write and um, help people like tell their stories But how I got here is kind of interesting. So, you know, even as a little girl, I knew I was going to be a writer when I grew up. That was until like basically the whole world convinced me that I would never make any money doing that. So that's how I ended up going to school for business. And that's what launched my career in sales and marketing. I've been doing sales and marketing in some form or fashion for the past 20 years. And inside of that journey, I accidentally got into the ultra sexy world of selling electronic components. So what that means, I was selling these board level components, which go on like a, a circuit board to Fortune 500 companies, which is like worlds apart from what I'm doing now. Um, but I happened to be really good at it. And I happened to make a really good living doing it. And then that's what eventually inspired me to start my own company. So that was about 10 years ago, I decided to launch my own company in that world. And, and I grew that company from zero to $3 million in annual revenue in our, our first two years in business, which was an incredible journey. And as the story goes, I had five really good years in that business and I was open for seven. So you can do the math and realize that there was a couple years in there that were really difficult. And those were um, my last two years in business. And to make a really long, painful, expensive story short, uh, some things in our, our industry changed and I ended up just, our revenues crashed, ended up losing a lot of money. I was really slow. I didn't want to lay off employees. I thought we, you know, we'll fix this. We'll just sell more. We'll get out of this. But then I finally had to face the reality that I had to close the business. Not only had to close the business, but it was to a huge financial loss. Of, of my own, I had lost all of my personal savings, had a lot of debt, a big giant hole to climb out of. And in, in looking back now, I can say that was actually one of the best things that ever happened to me, even though it was really, really painful at the time. So it took me a good six months to get to a place where I was feeling like I could speak about it publicly because you know I had carried a lot of shame around it. And I was just reeling from like all the financial aftermath of it as well. But then I finally got brave and I decided to tell my story publicly. And I wrote a blog for the Huffington Post called The Power of Owning Your Story. And I told basically just what I told you, but a little bit longer version. And the premise was, you know, you can either own your story or your story owns you. And after I published that blog, two things happened. One was this huge weight was lifted off of my shoulder because I no longer had this dark secret. And two, I started getting calls and emails from people all over the world that were just like, thank you for sharing this. Thank you for being vulnerable. You know, you inspired me to share my story. And I even got clients out of it. The first day that it was published, I ended up getting a five-figure contract from somebody that was like, you know, I was so inspired by your vulnerability. I want you to help me write my book. And yeah, that was like what launched my new business. And the the work I do now is help people tell their stories that need to be heard with the world. It's cathartic and healing, and it's also really good for business as far as marketing and and getting your message out there is concerned. So that's why my losing a multi-million dollar business was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was the universe smacking me in the head with a two by four saying, uh, wake up. That's not why you're here.
0: (laughs) I think Probably right after, right before that two by four hit you, it Mm -hmm. circled around to Ohio and hit me too.
1: (laughs) Because
0: there are so (laughs) many similarities in our stories. Although I went to college for something that I thought I really did want to do. I went for interior architecture Uh and I was an interior architect for 10 years. However, I realized that I wasn't... Let me back up. I had a child very soon after I actually started my career and... My son, who's now 15, started decorating all the furniture I had, you know, <laughs> wanted to decorate my home with. And I realized, okay, hold up. I guess it's going to be a few years before I buy furniture that's going to be nice because or <laughs> else
1: it's going to be decorated with chocolate. Right.
0: <laughs> as soon I realized that it just really wasn't where my passion was. But while I was running that business, I started my own business. Again, something that I wasn't passionate about, so very parallel to yours, it was actually selling craft supplies online. Nowhere near the investment and the overhead, I'm sure. I mean, there's probably only a fraction of the cost that can be spent, you know, on scrapbooking papers and such compared to electronic components. Right. However, by the time I shut that business down five years later... Thanks to that big wood plank. I was still (laughs) only making 25 cents a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I was determined to make it work, and that cost Mm. so much money. I mean, I just said probably only a fraction of the cost to run that, you know, buy that inventory and such. But still, I think I was probably... Hundred thousand in debt by the time I oh, wow. actually gave up because I had started purchasing inventory thinking, yeah. okay, the more I purchase, the more I can sell. No, it just doesn't always work that way.
1: Yeah. And that's why, you know, fail fast is such sound advice because, and you really have to check in. It's like, okay, am I, do I need to just redirect? Do I need to shift something in my strategy? Or is this like a sign, like it's not going to work? Because that, that was kind of my situation too. And especially I didn't want to lay off my employees. I was like determined not to lay them off and, and to my own detriment and not paying myself for o- almost two years. And it was, yeah, yeah. In hindsight, and I was like, no, I'll just, cause I'm in sales, I'll just sell more, you know, and, and that worked until it didn't. So you, you have to really be honest with yourself and say like, is, is the writing on the wall or it, can I readjust? But Yeah painful, (laughs) painful life lessons, but, but we're so empowered as we move on and grow new businesses, knowing what not to do. And that there's really something to that.
0: So do you think your current business would be as successful as it is now? If you hadn't gone through those pains in the past?
1: I don't think so. You know, I think I really needed that pain to like, wake me up and get me on, on purpose and get me on my, on my path. So I do a lot of um, public speaking. And one thing I I usually start some of my talks with is the number one deathbed regret. And that's, you know, from hospice workers who've interviewed people on their deathbeds, literally like, would you have any regrets? If you could go back, would you do anything differently? And that number one regret is I wish I had lived a life true to myself instead of the life that others had wanted for me. And it's kind of like how we all go through life. And it's like, well, you know, I'm just going to do this now. I'm going to make money now. And then tomorrow, next week or next year, I'll, I'll do what I really want. And that turns into five years, turns into 10, turns into 20, turns into your your deathbed. And I was kind of on that trajectory. I was doing work that, I mean, I loved my employees. I loved my clients. You know, I loved building a business from nothing, but it wasn't like my life's work. It wasn't my, what I'm passionate about. So now I get to create and I get to work with people and I get to help people and, and bring them, you know, joy and healing. And it's like, ah, oh, this is where it's at. So, so yeah, I needed that two by four to kind of wake me up. So I wasn't on my deathbed looking back saying, man, I wish I had done it differently.
0: The past couple of years have been quite a journey for me in realizing that it's, I needed to take out the, when I have this much money in my bank mm. account, then everything is going to be great and I'm going to be yeah. happy. Yeah. And when I started reflecting inwardly, I realized I already am happy with the exception of some changes I need to make in my business so that clients aren't controlling my nights and weekends so that the deathbed regret is that I gave up so much time with my family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one too. It's a really big one. And that's it's it's such a good thing that you said too about, you know, the, the big, I'll be happy when like, cause we all kind of do that. We all have our version of that, but life is now it really is like we, you know, unfortunately we don't know what tomorrow holds. Like anything can happen. It's a crazy world we live in. We don't know if tomorrow is guaranteed for any of us. And of course the past is done. Like we can't, we don't get do overs. There's no like rewind and edit. Like it's done is done. So really like this moment is all there is. So it's finding out how we can be happy and content in this moment and then the next moment and the next and on the journey, like, you know, like the journey is, is where it's happening.
0: What is one of the biggest lessons that you brought into Blist Communications from your former company?
1: I think it was just being true to myself. So, you know, when I had started my company, it's kind of funny how I started my company. I, I had been in that industry for many years as a sales rep for, for a few different companies. And I was on maternity leave. I had my firstborn daughter <laughs> and, um, they were actually giving the company I was working for was giving me a little bit of a hard time about my maternity leave. They kind of wanted me to get back to the office. I was one of their top salespeople and they were sort of like renegotiating the terms. And and I didn't really care for that. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start my own company. And it was, I was just going to do this small scale thing. I was like, I'm going to work from home and with my baby. And I literally had my six month old daughter on my lap while I'm like making sales calls. And, And it was this small. And I was like, you know, I can make just enough money that we'll be happy. And Da, 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 da. And then it just started growing, growing really fast. And then it was at a time, it was in 2008. So the economy was like taking a, a downturn and we were growing. So we got a lot of attention. We we're in the local media. Uh, we got some, um, you know, big media. We we're in the New York Times. Like we we're getting a lot of attention and praise and people are in my ear like, you need to grow, you need to borrow money, you need to do this and make it, you know. And I was taking all this advice from other people and not checking in with myself. And then it grew into this big thing that was like, wait a second, I didn't want this. I wanted this small thing and just be at home with my kid. And and you know what I mean? So I kind of let... I guess the kind of my ego a little bit and also just getting, you know, cause the ego always wants to be praised and all this stuff and it really feeds on that. And also getting, letting other people advise me, it's good to get advice from people that know more than you or that have, or five steps ahead of you. But then you always have to go back and check in with yourself and be like, is this really what I want? And I didn't do that. So, and had I done, you know, things would be different, but I do that now. I'm always checking in with myself before I say yes to anything. Is this in alignment with my mission? Is this in line with the business's big vision and, and all that kind of thing? Do you have a business coach? I do. I've, I've invested. I, I love, <laughs> I invest in a lot of different uh, programs and coaches, but I do. I'm, I'm the coach. The program I'm in now is um, I'll just say it's red elephant. And they're, they're these awesome people. I love them out of New York and, and their particular program is focused on events and speaking which as a writer, I always had the story like I'm a good writer, I'm not a good speaker. So I'm just going to hide out behind the keyboard. And I knew that was like a weakness of mine. So that's why I kind of jumped in with these people. I'm like, All right, throw me on stages, let's I'm ready to do this. And, and they've given me such great training. And um, yeah, so now I do a lot of speaking and it's a great way to meet people and, and grow your business. So I'm I am a component of hiring coaches and checking in with yourself. They, they both I think they're both equally important.
0: Listeners, if you're anything like me, I know that your ears probably just perked up hearing about Red Elephant. That's the right name. Yes. All resources and links that are mentioned in this episode, you'll be able to find on the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP156. I think it's really awesome that you brought up looking inwardly and discussing whether these were your goals and what you really wanted to do. because. The last episode on the Positive Productivity Podcast with a guest, episode 154, was with Alana Pratt, and she is an intimacy expert who talks about intimacy in the way of into me, I see.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, loved I, I it. love it. I love it. And it's it more is- than just intimacy in the outward, sexual way. Right. Right. But we have to be so comfortable with talking to ourselves before we make those purchasing decisions or yeah. any decision in our business. I have been caught up in shiny objects <laughs> and um, what is it called? Imposter syndrome so mm-hmm. many times because I got taken away by bright lights and financial figures posted on Facebook. Right. Like, oh, I want that. But Ooh. do I really want that? Right. Hmm. Was any yeah. part of that struggle part of your journey outside of the electronics business, how have you overcome and not, maybe you're, maybe you still occasionally have to deal with it, but what has the journey of dealing with shiny object syndrome and imposter sh- syndrome look like in your business? How do you handle it?
1: Yeah. And that's such a common thing that, cause I, you know, run with a lot of entrepreneur circles and, and to a lot of events and, and that is so common. Like entrepreneurs tend to be like big vision. I know I am. I'm like all about the big vision and the dream and like, let's change the world. And, but you know, inside of that, there can be all these ideas coming up, especially for creative people. And you got to like hone it back down. <laughs> um, and that's one of my problems. I have so many ideas and there's no way I could possibly implement them all in this lifetime. So, um, someone made a really good analogy for me and it really hit home and, and they brought up and this is, and I compare it to my business and I always kind of do this check-in and they said, well, think about Amazon. So if you think about Amazon today, they like run the world, right? You could buy anything from Amazon any time of day. It's like delivered to your doorstep the next day or even the same day now. and They have, you know, Alexa, you can talk to her, she'll send packages to your door. But if you rewind when they first got started, they did one thing. That's it. They sold books, period. That's all they did. and then and they got really, really good at that. And that was even a market that people are like, "You can't take this over. People like to go to bookstores. and but they did that one thing and they got good at that. and then they expanded and it's, and now they're like taking over the world. But it's it's always important like when you have those grandiose visions, when you have the Alexa vision of delivering stuff to your door when you talk to it, like you got to scale it back and no, I got to get good at selling books first. Um, so I always kind of check in with myself when I have ideas and I'm like, well, am I there yet? Did I, did I master this level first? Because if you try to keep building and the foundation isn't there, it, what's going to happen, it's going to topple over. So um, one of my coaches made that analogy once with me and it really stuck. I was like, okay, so am I ready to go to the next level? Am I ready to add another product or service or expand my company yet? Or is the foundation not set? So that's how I deal with the shiny object syndrome. I just check in and I, and I try to, you know, embody Amazon. <laughs> what would Amazon do? Would they would they be ready yet? And as far as the imposter syndrome, oh gosh, that, that one I think shows up for us all. Like we all have these kind of programs running in the background, right? That's just how the human mind works. I think imposter syndrome shows up when you're about to up level, when you're about to take it up another notch, that voice in your head starts to come in and is like, Oh, but you know, are they going to find out? Am I really worthy of this? Are they going to find out I'm not that special? Da, da, da. And to me, it's just information. And it's just, you know, you got to listen to that voice as just information and It's telling you, okay, you're about to up level again, you're about to take things to a, to another level. And you know, those voices aren't, those things aren't true about yourself, but they're just letting you know, are you ready? You're about to take it up a notch. So it's just about reframing those thoughts when they come up because it happens to everyone. I mean, every entrepreneur I've ever talked to, no matter how successful, no matter how famous, they have that same voice <laughs> that we all have that, that tries to psych you out. Like, you're not, you're not that special. You're not ready for this. You don't deserve all this. And you, you just kind of think that voice. Thank you. I know you're just trying to protect me, but I've got this and I'm ready. And, you know, that's just kind of how I do it. And you just kind of got to move through it. Don, do you have a mantra? A mantra? Oh, I have a lot of them. But I mean, really, my favorite one is uh, Sat Nam. And what that translates to is Sat is truth. And Nam is like name or identity. So truth is my identity. So it's like I am truth. Or you could just say I am. Um, and that just brings me back to I am just meaning that we all are part of something bigger than ourselves. We're all connected. Um, We're all different and unique and we're all one in the same and we're all connected. And it's just kind of a reminder of how incredibly huge and how incredibly small that
0: we all are. That is so beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) I want to circle back around to you being the chief truth digger, storyteller and word wizard. I've seen a trend in the last year year and a half of people being so much more transparent and authentic in their marketing is there a reason why do you think that this has been happening i love it personally but i'm wondering what your thoughts are on that
1: yeah i mean there's, there's a lot of reasons but um really i think the overarching theme is that we just want more realness we want more you know see more of humanity because and there's a lot of reasons for that. So if you think about what's going on in the world, like look at social media, we're more connected than we ever have been. We all have like 5,000 friends on Facebook and, you know, you feel like, you know, people and, you know, we can send an email around the world in like two seconds and, you know, video around the world and, and all these things. So we're so, so connected in ways that we never have been before. But at the same time, we're like less connected than ever because there's, a wall between the digital world. It's not the same as one on one contact. You know, and and if you look in out go out to dinner and just look around and see how many people are on their phones instead of talking to each other. Like right, that that's a thing that you see a lot. So I think we just want connection. And then when people are showing up on social media, whether it's in business or or in just being yourself personal self, a lot of people are are not giving the whole picture. It's very curated content. It's edited. It's you know, Photoshop perfection and Snapchat filters with flawless skin and only posting about the highlights and, you know, the good times. And so we don't see all of the, you know, what I look like when I roll out of bed or what's going on behind the scenes. My house is chaos. My life is chaos. And all the missteps and the heartaches and the failures. Like those are not as as well shared. So it it makes people think like, oh, like it's only me that's struggling. I'm the only one that has these problems. Everyone else has this perfect life. And it kind of distorts reality. So when we see somebody just being human, they're like, here I am. I'm just as human as you. I make mistakes. My life is a mess, too. I'm so not perfect. Like, we're like, oh, my God, you too? Like, there's just this connection, this shared humanity. And I think the more... You know, the digital, we can become more digital and technology takes over. We're going to want more and more of that human connection. And that's just such a way to do it by sharing your story, by being vulnerable. It just immediately invites people in.
0: That is actually one of the biggest reasons why I haven't done Facebook Lives. because (laughs) I haven't wanted people to see basically the giant leaf pile of clean laundry on the couch <laughs> that hasn't been taken care of or uh, the toys that are all over. I told my husband this morning, if you see the maid, tell her she's fired. Oh, that's hilarious.
1: I mean, we don't have maid. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. But you know what people would like if you like made that like the whole like premise of your life, like inside the life of, you know, crazy mom and entrepreneur and like pets and like this is like, the reality, you know, like people, I think people would like that. And you just kind of joke about it, right? Like there's cat fights going on in the background. and you, you just kind of like laugh and say, this is my life. I think people would really actually like that. Instead of holding back, you, that's something you could totally lean into and people would really love it.
0: I didn't mute that time. And of course, like a cat takes the opportunity to climb <laughs> up into the window like in the blinds. There you go. I mean, if I posted A video of me cooking, let's just be totally honest, I could almost hear as I am posting it or recording it, all the groans of, why are you doing that? Look, it's already burning. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can burn mac and cheese out of a box, and I have numerous times, (laughs) but that's the life of a mompreneur, and yeah, well... Of this mompreneur, at least, because no, I get distracted yeah. on every. Uh, I get distracted by everything else that's going on in the house, or by my computer. Because oh, I just want to check this out while I'm cooking, and in the meantime, yeah, the whole meal gets burned. It happens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's some great comedy relief in there, and then, like like I was speaking to like the shared humanity. Like oh, you too. Like I thought that was just at my house. Like you would probably get so much of that kind of feedback. I would fit into that. Totally. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> to watch your house burn down. No.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> I have to share one quick story for comedic relief. Com- um, uh, relief. That's what I'm...
1: Yeah, whatever. That, is, <laughs>
0: <that's>, that kind <laughs> of relief. The American Heritage <laughs> College Dictionary is grinning at me from the shelf right now. <laughs> Last, ab- ab- about a year and a half ago on Valentine's Day, everybody in my house except for Two of my children and I were sick with the flu. And while I was attending to everybody who was sick, my now four year old who wasn't sick found a permanent marker. Oh boy. And she drew a smiley face on the bottom of the toilet seat. <laughs> so every time anybody else went into the bathroom, I mean, to be sick, unfortunately, I know that's gross, but. So they would lift the toilet seat up and see this big smiley (laughs) face staring
1: at them. (laughs) That's actually really cute.
0: (laughs) In full disclosure, that smiley face was there longer than it really should have been just because I couldn't get myself to, it was just so cute. Yes. (laughs) That's so nasty, I know, but it was just so cute and it made me laugh every time to see it.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I get it. And that is actually really sweet because she was, you're, was it a boy or a girl? The, the, girl. She, yeah. So she's that sick and she just wanted to make you guys feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Little compassionista. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Totally. That's, it's like that in my house. And we have a um, a housekeeper that comes every two weeks and God, I need her more. But anyway, but every two weeks. And it's funny because the, the day before she comes, it's like, okay or the cleaning is coming tomorrow, we have to clean up the house. So it's like this, like comedy that we actually spend like hours cleaning the house. So it's like clean enough for the cleaning lady to come. Cause that's just how it gets, you know, um, with traveling and, and running a business and having two kids and I have three cats and a dog, so I don't, I don't have as much as you, but I get it. It's like a zoo. Um, and it's like, it's just like, yeah, that's just life. And that's how it goes. And it's like, you know. So like I could have a cleaner house, but then that would take time away from spending with my family, or I could have a cleaner house, but then I wouldn't be able to work with as many clients. So like, to me, that's like on the bottom of the list. That's just where my life is right now. And I'm okay with that.
0: <laughs> that is actually another thing that I've learned in the last couple of years is the value of activities, mm-hmm.
1: you know,
0: the $10 activities or hundred or thousand dollar activities. What are, should we really be spending our time on? And then I heard a quote that said something like, "Rich people spend money to save time, and poor yeah. people spend time to save money." Yeah, oh, not that's saying good. I'm rich, but there have been a few changes, such as getting somebody to mow our lawn. Yes, not yeah. that I was doing it. <laughs> Full disclosure, I couldn't. I, I just couldn't. The lawnmower and I didn't get along, so I never tried. <laughs> but finally hiring somebody, so that other things in the house could get done.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's a great way to look at it because when you're, you're buying back some of your own time and then if you, especially as an entrepreneur, you're like, what am I good at? What, what, what time can I spend that's going to actually generate income or is going to generate happiness and like cleaning the house is not on that list. So yeah, how, how can I pay someone to do that? And in hiring a, you know, a virtual assistant, like to do all the sort of administrative tasks that like eat up your time every day. And that's like such a good investment. If you can pay someone, you know, $20 an hour and you make couple hundred dollars an hour or whatever it is, it's like kind of a no brainer, but we have to kind of train our brain to think that way. Um, especially people like us that have had I know that's one of my things anyway, that, you know, I've had business that quote unquote failed in the past and I had all these employees, so I'm actually really slow to hire now. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but <laughs> but when I do hire, it's like, oh gosh, why didn't I do this sooner? Like it's just such a relief to focus on the things that you love and that, that make the most money. Dawn, what does your team look like? How many people are on it? So so I have a lot of freelancers, and I'm getting ready to make my first full-time hire. So I'm I'm just about to hire a full-time VA. But I do, I I hire freelancers for a lot of things. So for all of my website, all of my sales page design, accounting, of course, bookkeeping, um, I'm trying to think, what else? Just any kind of administrative tasks. I use freelancers for all of that. But I am to the point in my business where I know if I really want to scale that I need to get a full-time team. So my first hire is going to be my full-time VA. And then I'm going to bring another writer on board just because we're to the point where we have so many clients coming in that I can't possibly work with all of them one-on-one. So I'm going to be training some writers underneath me that are going to use my system and my techniques and we'll work together with clients. So there'll be like a different tiers. Like someone can pay, work with me at one price or they could work with my team at a different price. So yeah, so that's, I'm going to be growing a lot in the next six months by adding probably at least four or five people full time. I'm excited about that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And I resisted building my team as well and went through the same feeling of why didn't I do this yeah. sooner? Listeners, if you're just starting your business and thinking, oh, I can't do that, I want you to think about one thing. If you are, especially in the service-based industry, like Dawn and I, your time is worth something. We we never want to trade dollars for hours, but yeah, essentially right. we are doing it. Right. So, and I'm just throwing figures out there. Let's say that your time is worth 60. I, I could be going low or high for a lot of you. You could be hiring a VA for an hour to Mm. be handling things like your bookkeeping until you get somebody so that you could be concentrating on your client tasks. So while they are doing that, you're focusing on clients and you're actually making $40 more an hour than you would have been in the first place. So just think about those things.
1: Yeah, and the, and just think of, and think ahead and budget. Like, actually, you want to be smart about it and budget. Make sure you have the money in your budget. And you know, I need to make X amount to bring it on. But but then just do it and don't you know, just jump in, jump right in and do it. Don't just kind of like get rid of the fear and, and trust that it's going to all work out. Um, and not just financially, but some of those tasks, like like I absolutely hate accounting, like bookkeeping. Like my brain just does not want to do it it's not fun it's draining like and that takes away from your energy so like energetically as well as financially it's a really great investment
0: oh yeah definitely actually both of my parents are accountants
1: so I'd <laughs> actually to art school <laughs> i love it
0: <laughs> do you have any resources for people who are getting ready to tell their story and just really want to start getting out there in a more transparent and authentic way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think storytelling is like one of the most powerful tools in marketing, just being authentic and telling your story. But, and it sounds so easy. I would just tell my story, but people like really struggle with it. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't know what to include that. You know, how do I tie this back to my business? So I actually created um, a program called the power of storytelling and it's a free download you can get on my website. It's like a 20 page workbook or maybe 15 page workbook and a video, an hour long video training that actually walks you through what I call the three C's of storytelling. So people have done it and they're like, oh my gosh, you made this so easy. So yeah, if that sounds like something you need, you just just go to my website. It's uh, blistcommunications.com. That's B-L-I-S-S-E-D communications.com. And you'll see a little tab at the top that says the power of storytelling, free download.
0: Listeners, again, all the resources that we've talked about will be on the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp156. Don, this has been an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for being here.
1: It has. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you're up to and really glad to uh, share with you today. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. Where all can listeners find you online and connect with you?
1: So, yeah, I'm just Don Gluskin. Um it's G L U S K I N and on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, I'm basically everywhere. But um, Facebook and, and Insta are my favorites. So let's connect.
0: Fabulous. Do you have any words of parting advice or inspiration that you can offer to listeners?
1: Um it's just be you like if you're really looking at growing your business or you know taking things to the next level it's really look inward and what more of you can you bring to the table how can you be a fuller expression of your true self because when you do that it just things organically will start to happen